0: what's going on everybody welcome to the first-timers podcast show where we offer insight tips and advice for first-time or long-time home buyers sellers and investors i'm your host mikey t personal home consultant real estate agent homeowner and investor Please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or Google Play and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at the first timers podcast show at first timers podcast show. I should know my own podcast show name. Right. So today I want to talk about the effects of obtaining a mortgage during the housing boom. Uh, For some of us, they we, we remember the housing boom and it caused quite the disruption in the lives of uh, many. And I have someone here today to talk about uh, his experience in obtaining a mortgage and what happened during that time. So I got my man. He's a good friend of mine, Greg Lambiassi. He is the owner and founder of the Mobile DJ Academy located in Howell, New Jersey. You could go online right now to Facebook and Instagram and look up at the Mobile DJ Academy. And then he's also got Basically, his flavor of uh, what he does on the DJ end of things. He's still an active DJ, spinning parties, doing all that type of stuff at the evolution of GSL. Um, so, before we get uh, you know talking with Greg over here, and Greg, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you being here. Thank you, Mikey T. Um, I really just wanted to visit this subject because history has a way of, re- of repeating itself. And... The more the the more less stringent you know uh, mortgage processes become, and everyone wanting to get a mortgage and them creating ways for that to happen, uh, you, you never know if this type of situation could could happen again. And not only that, but the, I mean, in any industry, you have people that are, I guess, less than ethical, just trying to get someone approved to get a house, and. What happened in, in Greg's experience is something that could happen to basically anybody. And I think this is important for us to talk about for for buyers to learn about. And maybe if you're you're dealing with someone that might be trying to uh, just make stuff happen out of the air you could see you know kind of the the effects of it all. But Greg, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you sharing your story. Um, but before we get into your story and, and then what you experienced during that time, let you know let the people on, on uh, the, the podcast show learn a, a little bit more about you and uh, especially I'd like for them to learn about your uh, your DJ Academy. I think that's a pretty cool thing that you started. So uh, give us a little quick, uh, snippet of what you do who you are and uh, and whatever you want to kind of put out there
1: thank you Mikey T well wow. 24 years ago was the first time that my sweet 16 that we got out there to do a gig and it was all vinyl back then and I could feel the energy and I always wanted to be a DJ crowd motivator and that's going pretty far back the years into the game I developed patterns, structures, ways to help people. My energy's contagious kind of statement. And I increased my presence with my teachings, my life experiences. So from owning GSL Entertainment, a mobile DJ company, I came up with the Mobile DJ Academy, which trains young students to old students to other DJs of my life experiences in the game that molded me and shaped me through turntables dj controllers macbook pros and all the great technology how to dress how to act how to interview how to look people in the eye being in front of crowds gave me this pattern i'm able to give it back through the mobile dj academy and again the energy the motivations how i teach people like my vibe that's why we started the mobile dj academy based on experience
0: awesome man well it, with any business, it comes down to the individual that's starting it. And, and you definitely have a lot of energy and a lot of passion for this business. And um, for anyone that kind of really doesn't understand what it's about, definitely go to uh, the Mobile DJ... At, what, what did I say it was? That? You're at the Mobile DJ Academy um, right now. Go on Instagram, check out his stories, check out his posts. You could see that you have students ranging from young kids to... Um, you know, some old cats that may have been spinning vinyl back in the day, and now they're trying to come into the digital era. And, uh, and then you also have, uh, you know, I think, I think there's, there's someone special that you, uh, you, you go to their house every day. And this really shows the passion and love you have for your students. Um, you have, uh, his name is DJ DC, right? Dakota, AKA DJ DC from Jackson, New Jersey. Yeah, indeed. D- Dakota is, uh. He gets special uh, classes at home. Greg goes to his house, and you create an experience for this kid that I'm sure his parents and everyone around him appreciates because it, it probably takes him out of the world that he's, he's normally dealing with. And that 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 just goes to show the the type of service you give for the individual and and how important music is in people's lives. i you know music has been always important in my life. I've I've been DJing since I was 13. Uh, so that's a lot of years, 26 years, I guess now. Um, and that's how we became friends, really, because of the DJ industry. And
1: No, I did your wedding first, wasn't well, it?
0: Well, you did my wedding, but we became connected because the, uh, us being DJs and, you know, myself liking your vibe and understanding where you were coming from. Um, and so music has an important role in so many lives And it's pretty cool that you've now created a school locally in New Jersey that people could come there and basically take whatever they want out of DJing and uh, apply it towards their
1: lives. Absolutely. When I hear the word, oh, you're just a DJ, it freaks me out because anybody who puts time, passion, and a craft, it is. But they don't mean it wrong. We put in so much more. Any craftsman whether you're washing windows whether you're doing if you're doing it to to the highest level and you know you're you're studying on what how to do it properly and how to nothing is just what it seems and there's a lot of DJs out there that just hit buttons that don't entertain rock a crowd as they say and bring that heat okay my energy's natural two cups of coffee a day maybe a water to balance it out i barely drink i don't do anything else and it's contagious and i'm intense i'm like I'm like, wow, wow. I'm like a dungeon dragon, bro. You know, <laughs> But for those who like my energy, who like my vibe, it goes a long way. And I met a lot of cool people, and it's only getting better, the, ner- the network and the circle that I have. So nothing is just a title. It's much more than that in the, in the game you play.
0: Absolutely. And, and you hit that on the head 100%. It, it's not just I'm just a waiter, I'm just a carpenter, I'm just a DJ – as long as you're putting your heart into it, that, that's that's what matters the most. And uh, so make sure you check out the Mobile DJ Academy. Um, if you have any kids in the area in, in, in Monmouth and Ocean County, I mean, it's worth taking the trip and at least seeing what he does and um, seeing the passion he puts into it. So Greg, thanks for sharing all that. I appreciate it. Thank you, Mike. All right. So l- let's talk about what you dealt with um, during the housing boom. Your story is Probably not all that uh, atypical. I mean, it's a story that many people have unfortunately experienced during that time. Um, So let's let's kind of bring it back to like the year. When what year are we talking about? Two thousand and seven. So two thousand and seven. The it it, that's really like just before it broke. Correct. You know, like two thousand and seven was maybe two thousand and eight. That's when it really hit the fan. But in 2007,
1: um, you were in the market to, to find a house, right? My biggest thing, I'm an only child I did not want to live home again with mom and dad. <laughs> Absolutely. I was 28 years old, I think. Maybe a little younger. A lot younger, actually. If I stand corrected. But I wanted, I met a great girl who's now my wife. Shout out to Irene. God bless her. That's what everybody says. How does she put up with me? I'm, I'm I'm a pain in the butt people to put up with behind the scenes, but I'm great in front of people. I love it. But I love the circle. Again, it was time to buy a house. And like I said, I met a great woman. And she was living in a condo. And And we looked at a few houses together. Uh, we both had excellent credit. And we found a house in between both of our parents because we always want to see our parents. God knows I'm always seeing mom and pop. Yep. Sometimes she gets annoyed, but that's women. uh <laughs> so it was probably the third house we looked at. Again, in between both of our parents, where we could see everybody, and 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 it still experience the great neighborhood of Howell. Shout out to Howell Township. And uh, we basically went in and made that offer, and you know, pretty much again, third house, maybe even number two house. We didn't look around much.
0: Now, uh, before you put the offer in, how did you go about finding your mortgage uh, mortgage officer?
1: Great question. So I was working for a movie distributor. And, uh, you know, at the time I was asking everybody, you know, who owned or rented a condo, townhouse, home, you know, how did you do it? Which mortgage company did you use? What's the process? Well, from that, there was a business, there was a mortgage company called Countrywide Mortgage that everybody was using. It <laughs> seemed simple The after hearing it that they just needed to speak to me on the phone, get some, get some information, and, you know, they're going to go forward and kind of uh, give me a, a loan amount. Uh, you know, this dates back, Alan Greenspan, I'm just reading this here, who was the chairman of the Federal Reserve. He wanted to give people a chance to own their own home. Um, so there was all good intentions in this whole process of, of countrywide and everything. Um, but it just seemed the process was a little bit too easy. Uh from countrywide they to get real deep into it, they didn't even need to see me in person. <laughs> they actually didn't even speak to me after the first conversation with my social security number, they spoke to my wife, who was my fiance at the time, mm-hmm. on the phone. The loan was given on the phone for three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> just 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 like that. I mean it took maybe, I don't know. Two or three days to get everything together, but yeah. nobody sat down with anybody. No uh, one was there to uh, to kind of guide you and to counsel you on what, wh- anything that you were going through. The monies, and again, the ideas were great, but the monies that I was making per year, and I did some research again going back. It was I was only making about thirty eight thousand dollars a year in this in this sales job, and that doesn't. Work itself out to a three hundred three hundred fifty thousand. No,
0: loan. no. I mean, if someone yeah. making thirty eight grand right now, I don't believe could get approved for three hundred and fifty thousand. No, that's some imagination HGTV stuff that it uh, doesn't happen any longer. And and it's and it's primarily because of what countrywide and many uh, companies that were involved at the time did. They just frivolously, uh, you know, made mortgages and so. What happened in your situation uh, that might have felt or or was kind of fishy?
1: One big thing that we talked about a few days ago was that they uh, said I had $350,000 in property slash assets in order to back the loan since I was only making $38,000 Thirty-eight thousand dollars a year. <laughs> so, where did that come from? Yeah, right? where where, where did that come from? Where did that asset? I, all come of a sudden, from? I owned a parking lot and some rental properties or whatever <laughs> they they titled yeah. it under. And but nobody's thinking of this as this is going on. Yeah, at least not you know from now to back then. And uh, we just thought you know, wow, from the information I was given that countrywide, the loan process was made to be that easy. Yeah. So going through that on the phone, Irene Irene handled it. You never had
0: a a person show up and and handle your deal. Like, uh, you know, I have many mortgage officers that I put in touch with buyers. They're there to to handle, to counsel them, to give them information. Everything was just on the phone. This sounds like kind of what people are going through with Rocket Mortgage or Quicken where you're dealing with a, a,
1: a phone. Yeah, it was, that, it was that it was exactly that way. But
0: but when they when they came up and told you, uh, we're we're showing that you have three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in assets. Uh, did they just kind of produce a form and said, "Hey, listen, you got to sign this form saying that you have assets, so you could get approved for this mortgage."
1: Absolutely, It was that simple? The forms were <laughs> faxed over. Then there wasn't any, you know, really use of email for documentation. And still to this day, important documents are faxed. But one two three. Once they took my social security number, they were able to basically pad the loan, as they say it. Yeah, and it was that
0: simple. It was. I mean, it really was. I, I know what you're
1: talking about because
0: in 2004, I uh, I was a co borrower, co borrower on <laughs> a loan, and we basically made up my own pay slips. From my father's company to show I was making way more than I made, and they mm-hmm. just said, "Hey, listen, we need you to show you're making I'm gonna say an arbitrary number, fifteen hundred dollars a week." I wasn't making that much money. This is probably two thousand and four, somewhere around there. And I went on my computer and I made up payroll slips that showed I made fifteen hundred bucks, and that was it. Like they didn't ask for. Uh, uh, income tax forms. They didn't ask for what I, uh, and any proof other than not even a, a canceled check from the company saying I made that much. It was just a, a, a generic piece of paper that I had printed on uh, from Microsoft Word. And similarly, that that is something, basically, they just came up with some stuff. And, and I can't remember. I know I probably signed or created other documents along the way that, you know, had to kind of Back up the original lie, but that's um, similarly what happened to you. They just said, "Okay, we you need to show that you have three hundred and fifty thousand dollars in assets." And
1: uh, here you go. I wanted to live above my means.
0: Yeah, well, I, but happens. also at that time, that's uh, what it wasn't even above your means. The market skyrocketed so fast. Uh, the only loans out there that most people could afford were interest-only loans. Um, I know my buddy was in in San Diego, and he couldn't afford an hour and a half outside of San Diego without trying to get an interest-only loan. Thankfully, he didn't go through with it. But uh, what what kind of loan structure did you have at
1: first? So we had the worst type of loan called the variable loan. And... It's a federal index loan started off as a fixed rate slash percentage, but could be ballooned up to higher a higher rate, higher percentage, up to, you know, higher from, say, starting from 3% to 11%. Um, there were two loans. So there was a principal-only loan and then a the loan that I was just paying, you know, my regular payment to.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, luckily, with the help of my father, a big shout-out to Dad, what's up, uh, is he called and changed everything to a 30 year fixed rate. Uh-huh. Taking down the variable, but not right away because they were making money off yeah, the variable. Yeah. So it was about maybe 6-8 months later, but you know, and at this time my my education, my knowledge of all this, I'm like, "I don't know anything. Well, most people
0: no don't know about mortgages. They uh you you want to trust the company that you you've gone with and you know they, they lead you in the wrong direction, and now here you are. You were paying two mortgages at the time, right? Two mortgages for at least six to eight months. Oh man! And uh, ha- those interest rates
1: skyrocketed on you while you were while you were paying. Oh yeah, they went up to as high as eleven. Yeah, in six months, six to eight months, give or take. Yeah, there's a lot of people. There was that, no control on it. Yeah. Well, they did what they Righted. had to do to get you signed, and they did. Yep. And then, I mean, the they, process was seamless. There was, you know, maybe subconsciously this seems too good to be true. But again, you know, I mean, I was in my 20s at that time. I wanted to move out for the first time. And if I can get a house, I didn't have to rent or have a condo, or townhouse, a full house with a pool in the back. I felt like Biggie Smalls, you know, like just chilling, (laughs) giving all my, you know, my friends, you know, handouts and this and being able to invite people over and, and live, you know, a life that. Forget about thirty eight thousand dollars a year. Somebody that made a hundred and fifty thousand would be able to process this money and this and, and live comfortably. But yeah, it was already, you know, you're moving in and already things are are, are rocking back and forth. But again, my knowledge that I didn't have and, and just seeing the bright light, you know, at the end was a little bit bumpy. Now
0: during the the, the time from then until now, uh I I know your area pretty well. You you bought at a price point that the homes probably haven't appreciated much from that price point that you bought in 2008 till now because I, I would imagine at the crash they probably lost 80 to 100,000 in that area for a short period of time. It was
1: it was around I I think 65 to 70 uh-huh. give or take from what we paid. Uh Actually, I haven't looked it up now. I think yeah. it's you know obviously up a little bit higher, um, but we were you know we we you know it, it devalued very quickly.
0: Now, did you guys ever think of saying "eff it"? We'll just let's just dump this and do what? I mean, a lot of people uh, did that at that time when, especially when the interest rates r- rose, and they said, "Do you know what? Forget it. We're just going to drop this house, take the L."
1: And then we'll we'll fix our credit later, and and uh, we were all in. You were all in. Still, you know, obviously, you know, into the present right now, we're all in, and there was no doubt that we're going to make the best of the situation.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, what a tough situation that was back then, and um, I, that's. I, I think it's so important that people hear about these stories and what what people like you have dealt with, uh, because. As you know, it's, it, I understand that in theory, you want more people to own homes, but with owning a home, there's a lot of responsibility. There's a lot of assets and there's a lot of other things involved. And when, when you become a lot less stringent and your, the paperwork becomes a, a lot less and basically they didn't verify the, the way that they do now you end up lo- out, you know loaning way too much money out to people that aren't qualified and then when you can't pay which by math you pro- you shouldn't have been able to pay then the crash happens you know you- you're making $38,000 a year you should not be someone approved for 350,000 and th- that that wouldn't happen today
1: no it it's again the process was so fast uh it was like Wow, things are just—you know—this is just the way the mortgage loans are, are. Wow, my first time out here, and my wife at the time owned a condo. Did you? She didn't even think much of it. She was just like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna call for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> We—they we, got your social security number. They know—they know the—they know, the, know the last time you took a piss. So, uh, so I'm gonna finish off after that, and and they're gonna fax us the documents. And they faxed the documents back at the movie distributor. My job that uh-huh. I was at. And I'm talking to, it was uh, a few guys in in the purchasing department that had loans out from Countrywide, about two of them out of five purchasers. And I was in there every day. I was, you know, sales like I am now. And they're telling me, yeah, of course the process is so easy. See, you know, because I was showing them all the facts came through already. And wow, you know, I'm going to have my own, you know, (laughs) house soon. And nobody in that office talked about or thought about what could possibly happen. Yeah. And none of us were making big money. I mean, the owner was cheap, but I'm, I'm not going to get there. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, for for what it was worth, it was a fun job. But, at the time, there was no, uh, you know, everything's going smoothly. I, I just figured this is how the process is for anybody. And that, I don't know, maybe I thought they would prorate, you know, what I was making yeah. <laughs> times yeah, 10. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You know, that's what it it, yeah, it seem to be yeah 38,000 dollars a year and you're like oh, listen I was I, the I, same I'm way I'm going to pay that cuz oh I have a steady job so I'm good right <laughs> I have benefits yeah. I have this my wife makes you know my wife was always you know making good but she's you know was a little older and been in the job game longer than me at the time so I'm like oh they're just going to weigh her money uh-huh. and then mine and and that's kind of how they did it, but again, it padded the prop- the property I did not own. I wish I owned that property, believe <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah, right. Um, but none of that was true.
0: It's, a, it's amazing because even, you know, I, w- I was young at the time when I signed this this mortgage. Um, and it was the same thing. I, I thought, all right, I guess that's just the way it is. It was just, it, you know, the, the, I mean, I had someone that actually we dealt with. And he would say, "All right, Mike, you just sign this paper." And I'm like, "All right, if you say so, I, I guess that's just how it is." Was that for your first condo? No, no, no. This was for uh, a house um, that I had with my family, and um, it was because uh, even as easy as it was, being that my family's always owned a business, they needed somebody that didn't own a business to to, to, to co to co to co borrow with them. And, um, so I was able to be the employee with a steady paycheck while my family had, you know, the, the the, business, business. um, but it still wasn't that hard, you know, compared to today's standards. What year was that? I'm going to say it's probably somewhere around 2000. It was just as the, the industry was getting hot, um, and I remember the mortgage guy at the time saying, "Man, like just get into it. You could do fix, fix and flips, and we could do all this other stuff." I was like, "Whoa!" You know, I, I didn't understand the industry like I do now, um, and I'm—I mean, probably would have made money back then because the—you know—it was—it was a good eight years before everything crashed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, knowing, uh, you know, for for the health of the industry, which that's what I care about a lot more now is the health of the industry. When you see too many mortgages getting written all too easy, th- there's not a good ending to that because that means regulations are getting looser and there's going to be people that aren't, that shouldn't be able to afford mortgages that are getting them. And then they're going to default because they couldn't afford it in the beginning. And uh, that's when the crashes happen. I, for my own clients, even if they are approved for three hundred and fifty thousand, I, I I say, are you sure you could afford three hundred and fifty thousand with your car payment, with your insurance, with lights, energy, uh, electricity, gas? Could you really afford that?
1: Yeah. What do they say?
0: Uh, sometimes they do. Common answer. Yeah. Yes, I mean, but that, at least it leaves them to think behind closed doors. You, they don't have to answer me. Uh, you know, my whole thing is, do, can you afford it when you when you sign those papers? Are you comfortable with saying? Hey, I could afford it. There's some people that are, you know, business owners that could only get approved up to a certain amount of money, mm-hmm. but they actually create a lot more income. Those people could push the limits uh, a lot of times. But for my regular buyers, I tried to break it down. Can you really afford it? I think, uh, and I believe this is to be true, that they changed the way that the bank's that the federal government federally backed loans look at student debt. Um, they used to hold it against them as debt, but now they're not holding it against the the, the borrower as debt. But it really is debt. Where, so
1: yeah, where else is it going?
0: Yeah. So if if they're going to approve somebody for three hundred and fifty thousand, four hundred thousand, and they're saying they're they're not paying attention to this student loan debt, that person still needs to make that payment. So. The bar like like his ability to borrow or or pay is still less than what they could they're approved for, and it's little changes like that that seem good and they're they have good intention, but could end up really hurting the industry down the road. You change a little thing like that here and a little thing like that there now you're opening the door for people, yes, to get a mortgage easier, but then. Could they afford it? And then you, you compound that with people that know how to work the system. There's mortgage. There's a guarantee. There's, there, there's bad in every industry. There's bad, everybody, but I'm sure that they, there's shiesty mortgage people out there that know how to work the system Still and, and the books. Day. Sure. And they're able to say, okay, l- well, let's show that you do this and let's create a form that says that. Could you get your, your boss to say you made this, you know, there's ways I'm I'm sure that, that people could do things and, my whole uh, reasoning for having you on and, and to talk about this is so that someone buying, if you're experiencing someone that's giving you kind of shady advice, that could, yeah, maybe right now you're excited you're going to have a house, but when when the stuff hits the fan, then what are you going
1: to do? I also, talking about shady advice, and I don't know how deep of kind of a, a shyster uh, way this was but it was my parents neighbor no names right we don't mention names no here names on, on, on a first timers podcast but <laughs> my parents neighbor was a real estate agent and the woman I bought the house was a real estate agent okay happens but they were good friends so who yeah. knows what, what and again I don't still to this yeah. day I don't know if that had anything to do with it you know already country wide you know set the bar high and then, you know, dropped it, you know, dropped it from under us. But my father didn't approve of this. And, you know, this is a guy who's been in this world, you know, for a long time and the whole process. I have to shout out my father for real. Uh, he didn't like this one bit. I yeah. would say, and I, I can't believe I didn't say it sooner. Man, I'm reading off a script here. Let me throw this paper out here. We're improv in this. Uh, <laughs> is he he didn't like it he kind of knew something was up um you know you're talking to a guy that's you know my father I'll say his age out here. my father's eighty five was a psychologist up until eighty years old retired uh from Brooklyn and you know he's his mind's still like a champion. I love you dad, but he worked for everything he he had gotten and he had you know had property and stuff but the right way throughout his life so he saw the signs. Yeah. But me, I was caught up by the bright lights, big city kind of thing. We had a pool in the back, a fountain, a hot tub. I mean, I, I was like, oh, my first house, I'm getting this. Yeah. Blinded by the light, man. Yep. Blinded by the... <laughs> no. But I, I have to say, he's the only man. And I'm not trying to say, oh, my father's the best, man, man. He for real knew what was going on. Yeah. But I, I ignored it. <clears throat> <clears throat> but...
0: I think you're you're no different than a lot of people at the time. I mean, you, ha- you had your sights on something and, and it was obtainable and you went for it. Um, and sometimes, you know, when you want something so bad, you don't take the advice of the people that you should be listening to that have been there, done that, even if they haven't been there. But I think sometimes uh, someone a little bit outside the circle, they have a better – understanding of what's going on and they could see it a lot clearer than someone that's in the midst of, of what's going on. And, uh, you know, when you look back at it, you go like crap, like, yeah, did I really trust my agent? Did I really trust this? Who, who could you have trusted? Who was on my team? Yeah. Who's on your team. And, and that's why, you know, my whole, Everything with this podcast and everything I do is to try to tell people, I don't care if you use me or not. I don't, you know, it's take your time to, to, to learn and, and interview someone so that you can trust them. So when you're, when you're using an agent, you're not worrying as, as the, once the deal ends, like, did this person do me wrong? You know, you, you took your time and you really could honestly sleep at night saying, no i trust this person like they they looked out for my best interest and and here's some examples of what they did uh and on that aspect on the real estate aspect i mean what happened then could still be happening now because there, there's there's no regulation into you know friends helping friends in real estate or you know uh whatever the case may be I, you know many times i don't even feel comfortable being on the buying and selling end of a property, I'd rather sell a house and let and let another buyer agent come in because I'd rather work for one person than two because when you're working for two, you end up being in the middle. You got to give both people the right advice and and for me, I, I, I could sleep at night because I'm doing the right thing. I'm being honest with both people, but there's no, that's not always the case and – you know, if you can't trust your agent, if you can't trust your mortgage broker, your your officer, your the company, and, and especially if someone outside your sphere, maybe your parent, your best friend, somebody says, Hey, I don't like this situation. I think you should take those warnings. You know? Now, listen, you bought the house, it's a great home. You you live you're still living there. And you know, thank God your outcome is is better than a lot of outcomes. A lot of outcomes were foreclosure, and now these people are coming back in the market uh you know to buy because they now the credit's repaired since then but if if you know if you would have at least felt out the 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 vibe that your dad was giving about this being right or not, I don't know where you might have been right now. The
1: funny part. Well, not funny part. Let me restate that. The real part through all the padded and, and kind of shady stuff going on was that I still had the best credit, though.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I was living home with mom and dad. Yeah. You know, I, I, every bill, everything I had was paid, you know, double. So I believe that actually was legit, them using my credit score. Sure. That if I had, like, yeah. a, you know, a six credit score compared to an eight, which I had. Now credit's pretty good. It's not like what it used to be no. because of this mess. Yeah, that, I don't you know, I'm pointing at fingers at me. But again, the credit did I think was one of the most legit things that they went off of besides <laughs> the stuff that was paid. Yeah. yeah, I mean they had to use something and Yeah, I don't think they would have they maybe would have given me, say, two hundred thousand if I had a credit score of like six point five or yeah, whatever yeah. as opposed to an eight. I mean my credit was damn near perfect. I you know I lived home with mom and dad. The red carpet was was rolled out and the trumpets were blaring every time I came by and and now it's a little bit like oh you're here. But the goodness of it was saving the money, paying my bills, everything, you know, the car, everything I had, you know, taking advantage in a good way under their roof. Um and then like you said, I mean when you're out there, dude, and you own just anything, there's 25 things per month that go with ownership. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, Besi- like, besides it was scary,
0: yeah, besides a couple months, in um, head. you know, the repairs you have to make. Oh, the, the house wasn't in- constantly maintaining the house after a storm, something blows off, now you got to get someone there to fix it. Uh, and Girl. this is the conversation that most agents need to have with people. Um, yeah. And, and if, if you don't, I'm, it, I am. It, it, sometimes I get it. Cause someone will call me up and they're so hyped up to get a house. You get rushed through the process. Sometimes I even forget to have the conversation with people. Um, I, I, through the, the process, I tried to inform them like, all right, you know, you're, you're going to need to maintain your roof. You got this going on. Yeah. You got that going on. But no matter if I tell them or you tell them it doesn't hit them until it actually hits, and now you're paying somebody to come and and fix a leaky roof or put a new furnace in and those those are the things if you're already stretched out with your money, you can't afford that no and i I really feel that the main job of that mortgage person, that mortgage company is to have the finance talk with the buy the borrower. I'm not here to be their financial advisor. I'm here to help them. I'm, I'm their home advisor, um, but that 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 finance advisor, they, they should be having that conversation with you and breaking it down, saying, "All right, you know, even though on paper you're approved for 350, your numbers look like you should be at 300."
1: But how many people really break it down honestly? Come yeah, on.
0: because commission. You know, it comes down. Everyone wants the highest commission. I have someone that I'm working with. She's approved into the fours. She, but she was smart enough to know that she's not able to buy. She doesn't want to pay in the fours. She wants to be in the threes. But the, her old agent would only show her stuff in the fours because of money. You know, you get a bigger commission. It, like that's not worth it to me. It, the commission on that, the difference isn't life changing. So why would I want someone to be cash strapped just so I make an extra two
1: grand? Whatever, you know, because it's going to come back to bite you. By you trying to do the wrong thing, yeah, because you were brought up with the right way. The money is always there for your hard work, absolutely. But the moment you have to look behind your back because you did somebody wrong, that's when it begins to really tumble.
0: And that's between. what happened. The countrywide look at them; they, they the doors got shut. It took t- it yeah. took a while.
1: Yeah, it took you a while know, to definitely. indict. You know, well, the uh, and it's also
0: because the government takes a little blame in that, of course. And, and they don't want to take blame. So that's what also took a while. Also.
1: No, and then. They were selling you know these default defaulted mortgages, yeah. these padded mortgages to other financial companies, oh, you yeah, know, to yeah, take yeah. over the loans, yeah. so which is going on just as much. yeah maybe. they were packaging them up as as good mortgages. yeah they're buying they were, yeah. them at a really low rate, yeah and then then you know, you have this other debt collection agency, and you know it, it's wow. If that's not an eye opener, yeah, you know, seeing you know things that come in the mail of, of different you know uh, borrowers that you know they sold off to because you're you were late on some payments and at the start this was again thirty eight thousand dollars a year three hundred fifty thousand dollar house still you know I had two cars at the time my fiance wasn't my wife at the time obviously there was so much to pay just like there is yeah. now yeah. but there, but I didn't have The the, the money I have now, and the experience. Let's push. You know, meaning it was it was a huge eye opener. After again, when my father, you know, helped six eight months later, of like, holy cow, you know, how are we gonna keep this maintained? And oh man, you know, the the air conditioning broke. We need ten grand for a new air conditioning unit. How? But but we bought the house, but we ain't got a we ain't got a pot to piss in. (laughs) But we got the BMW outside, looking looking like you know just. It's real. So for for your listeners out there, it's real. It's scary. You do not need to live above your means. That's bullshit. Um, You know, be real to yourself and what you can afford. If you want to see, oh, I want to get this, want to get that, you know, work towards it. It, It's just the way I didn't see that. You know, I saw, okay, you know, I have a steady job. I have good credit. I'm the king of the world. Now I look at things, obviously, you know, grew up. Wife, family—it's not the way it works. So just hold back on that stuff. You'll get it if you really want it, if you think it's worth it. But we we stuck it out and knock on wood, everything's good, and that's just the way. You know, we didn't back down, bro. Yeah. Well, do you know that that's a that's a great
0: way to wrap that up and perfect advice for someone looking to buy. If you want it, of course you can work hard enough to get it. Come on. But if you know deep down inside that it's not the right move. You're overextending yourself. You know, pump the brakes, back it up a little bit and uh, maybe change, you know, the professionals you're working around to get a second opinion and a different point of view. Amen. All right, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing that story. I mean, that's some real stuff and and hopefully someone listening now, even though it, it might not be as easy to get the mortgage as it was then, just hearing the story and learning the realness of how, you know the severity when you're buying a house, how much is involved, and uh, you know making the wrong decision, trusting the wrong people could really change uh, your path for the negative if, if you if you do it wrong and uh, I mean
1: I could have still lived home with mom and dad. The red yeah. carpet still would have been rolled out. Yeah, I don't think and your then, wife would have liked that. No, nah, <laughs> she, she could have moved in with mom and dad, but in in reality, again, it's realer than than anything you've ever done. You know, buying a house, Mikey knows about it and does on an every day. Be real to yourself. Do not see what others have. Don't look on YouTube and think you're going to be the next YouTube, you know, millionaire or Instagram.
0: Yeah, those, you know, you're a looking lot at of those the high, Yeah,
1: don't don't is not for. Yeah everybody because of what and who you are so exactly it you know life is grand okay there's a lot of cool stuff that happens every day and you don't need to owe on it in order to you'll be happy
0: definitely well, th- like I said thank you very much for sharing that story
1: no problem I think it's
0: gonna definitely help some people out Um, I hope so man. so now before we wrap things up I like to do a little quattro fire four questions to learn a little bit more about you Greg G.S.L. The Mobile DJ Academy What's
1: your favorite book? Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. There we go. I think I sent you a copy too. I was that for did. Father's Day? Um, I don't know what day it was for, All but right. I appreciate it. You better
0: check <laughs> your email. <laughs> well, I got I got it next to my bed, and, uh, and I always uh, breeze through it. And that's a great book because it's one of those books. Um, I'm not going to try to compare it to the the Bible the way it's but it's laid out similar to the Bible where you could go to a different section and get something out of it when you need it it's not that you got to start at chapter one and then at 20 you could go to chapter six you could go to 30 you could go to page 750 it doesn't matter you could grab nuggets from it whenever you need it whatever you're looking for if whatever you're into there's something in there and it's definitely it's it's well uh put together that's a great book
1: yeah man now what's your favorite show Favorite show HBO's Entourage. Yes, you love that show. It, well, you know, it's you know it's glorified a lot with the Hollywood actors and and cars and houses and I'm going to say the word girls, you know. But there's always a good kind of draw, uh, kind of. To family okay they draw it to your family and friends of who's sticking together through thick and thin so all the glamour the bright lights it doesn't mean anything without your circle of trust your friends and family so i love that and and just the way it's directed and uh you know the agent Ari gold he's intense you know i like to put myself in that spot as running an agency and just you know just going out there with the kind of lion attitude persona and and you know making the right deals for people and that's yep. why I like that show. It's got a lot of, you know, twists and turns. But again, like I said, family and friends at the end.
0: That's Family and friends are what matters most. Uh, my biggest hope for, I mean, uh, the next generations is to, you know, get off the, the, the devices and actually interact. Get out there. See people face to face. You know, uh, don't live a fake lifestyle. And, you know... Grow grow your sphere legitimately, not by how many followers you got on Instagram or, or Twitter. Like the followers don't matter if if you really didn't make any real connections. And uh that that's what matters most. Family and friends. I say it every day that you know I mean anybody that knows me, if you follow me, you know how big important family
1: guy right here. Family means no everything. No matter how much he's you know, he's on that grind. He always ties it back to his family and friends and, and, and how he could do better every day. Real talk.
0: That, that's what it's all about, family and friends, man.
1: So what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote, and it's one of my quotes. So you can check my quotes on Pinterest. Yes, it's not just for ladies. <laughs> and it's under quotes by GSL. And this quote I wrote probably about a year and a half ago. And it goes like this. Your personal presence is your biggest networking tool. Being there carries more weight than any social media post. Okay. So we're here, all of us, and it wouldn't it, it wouldn't make any sense to always do everything by the phone or by Skype, but feeling each other's vibe. Okay. And yep. that's the story of life, bro. It's deeper than than just social media. Yeah, social
0: media, it's I mean, it's our high our highlight reel, you know? And in business, we need it. I think it, it, it's very important in business. But for me, what I love about this medium of, of podcasting, it's a way for people to legitimately get in front of each other and, and create a relationship. And, it, and it's not behind a screen. And, uh, you know, that, that's what it's all about. Not, not being,
1: you know, fake filtered on social media, but being genuine. All right. We all need it because we can't be at one place at one time. Social media is good that way. But, you know, you got to cut down on the amount of hours spent per day on, on what's really important.
0: Yep. All right. So what uh, what's a piece of advice maybe someone like your father gave to you or something, you know, a great piece of advice maybe you could give to
1: somebody else? I wrote this down. Stay away from negativity and the people who are negative because it always leads to bad consequences. Yep. All right? That's the company it. you keep. That's it.
0: That's all it. Right. You, what, is, what is that uh, quote? Your network is your net net worth. I mean, you know? Or your net worth is your network. Something like that. I mean, it's true. If you if you surround yourself with, with people that are just constantly bitching and moaning
1: all day. Where does it get you? It puts you in a funk, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. we all have our different type uh friends that we hang out for different reasons. Peers yeah. we see for different reasons. But... We need to be motivated, you know, kind of every step of the way if we're not, you know, it's like a game of tennis, back and forth, back and forth. So I believe that's true because, you know, we all grew up with the people who just took bad a bad road um, and just didn't lead and help us be leaders. And I think there's too many followers. Be a leader upon yourself. So the negativity, when you think that, and you know that we talked about that, when you... Even if we were here now and I'm like, hey, I love this podcast, I love these guys, and subconsciously I'm like, ah, screw these guys, I could do this better. I could do you know, it comes, it shows you, everything, your your levels, yeah, you know, kind of fluctuate, and then it starts to be embedded in your thinking. And it's really deep negativity. So I'm absolutely. I'm learning that more and more. Of you know, we we talked about this too, you know, in our 20s. We're like, yo, how'd this guy get this? You know, I work just as hard, or I have a great business, I have a degree, or I have this. Why does he have that? And I don't... Don't worry, why? Just... We're here. Yeah, put your nose down, grind it out. And enjoy... I think enjoy that grind. Everyone has their own story. And you got to live your own. Listen, you always... You're one of the most positive guys out there. Both ways. In front of people, subconsciously. And that's why you're climbing the ladder in the right way every day, brother.
0: I appreciate that, man.
1: All right, man. Well... Let people know
0: where they can find you. Give anybody any information you have, you know, if you're able to, uh, you know, come at least follow him on, on social or uh, come visit him, talk to him. If you have a kid that's thinking about, you know, listen, everything is not flute and piano or whatever, like, you know, broaden the scope. Let these kids learn some stuff and then uh, also the event end. So give, give everyone your information.
1: The Mobile DJ Academy, www.com. The T H E M D J A dot com stands for Mobile DJ Academy for short on the web. We have our social media channels on our website that you can click right on Twitter, YouTube, Snapchat, and of course, Instagram and Facebook. And the events company GSL Entertainment website is www.gsldjsdjs.com for all the events, weddings, mitzvahs, all that good stuff. Over 20 plus years in the game. and this guy next to me is not retired from the game of DJing (laughs) if you're lucky enough if I'm lucky enough yes you might get the reception kings (laughs) the reception kings is us and it goes far back and it's the love of the game no matter how much time we we have or do not have in 24 hours we love just the art and we will never forget that definitely All right. well Greg thank you so much for coming on the show I appreciate it it. it thank you for having me and listen thank you
0: everybody for listening to, to the show My name is Mikey T. Michael Anthony Timpani, as my mama named me. You can follow the show on Instagram and Facebook at First Timers Podcast Show. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at THS Home Advisors and at Mikey T. Sells NJ Homes. A link to the websites are on all my social sites, and pretty much you could add a .com to those names and get right to my website. Uh, Please leave a review on iTunes. Share and subscribe to our weekly podcast. Message us with any questions and topics you may want to hear. And if you're a professional that could bring some value to the show, please reach out. Together we can learn and grow. I like to end with a quote myself, and this is by Zig Ziglar. He's one of my favorites. Look back in forgiveness, forward in hope, down in compassion, and up with gratitude. God bless everybody and have an amazing week.